0: Well good morning. Good, morning. good morning. What a joy to be back here. And I think I came a year ago, and I think it's been I think about about a year. Uh, it's just like a re- reunion for me to come here and, and see faces I, I've seen for 20 years and have not seen for a few years. and it, it's, it's good to be here. Um, the sermon do, do you have Bibles in the back of the pews? If you do me a favor, pick that Bible up and we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19. I'm with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and we really strive and encourage the kids and the coaches to, t- to get to know the scriptures better. And it's nice to come to a church and you have the scriptures and the pews and you can just pick it up and just follow with me. Matthew, Mark, Luke is the, the third one in the New Testament. Um, I was telling the Sunday school class earlier this morning uh, about my first encounter with a church after I became a Christian, I did not grow up in the church, and uh, how embarrassed I was in that first prayer meeting, and um, I didn't know how to say the Lord's Prayer, and so when you said it here, I just, my mind went back 30 years, and uh, I'm glad that you know it, and uh, anyway, uh, Luke chapter uh, 17, verses 11 through 19. If you would follow with me. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled through along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was not no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said, to him, rise and go your faith has made you well your faith has made you well will you bow with me Father thank you for this morning we can gather as a congregation to worship thank you for your word and Father will you bring your word alive in our hearts and our minds may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart please you in Christ's name we come. Amen. In the late 1800s, there was a Roman Catholic priest named Father Damien. He grew up in Belgium. He was a Belgian, And he felt the call from God to serve the people in Hawaii. Now you might be thinking, hey, that's a nice calling to serve in Hawaii. That's a nice gig and uh, another beach project. Uh, but it wasn't a beach project. God had called him to serve in this colony, which was referred to as, as a lepers colony. The sermon title today is today is the lover of lepers, not leopards, but lepers. Uh, children might say, "Mom, Dad, this is what I learned in church today: is the story about Jesus and the leopards. It's not the animal; it's the people who had leprosy." Well, God had called him to serve these people and I'm going to go more in detail what a leper was because we're not familiar with that term at all nowadays. Um, He served them 16 years until he contracted leprosy. He died at the age of 49. Here's a young priest who gave his life for people that were thrown away because of the disease they did not deserve, that they did not get on their own. He's known today as the leper priest. He's known today as the patron of Hawaii. He's known as the apostle of the lepers. He said this of himself, I made myself a leper with the lepers to gain all to Christ Jesus. Leprosy. 95% of us are, are immune, naturally immune to leprosy. Only 5% of the population can get leprosy. Leprosy is a nervous disease, a, a, a disease that attacks the nervous system where a person cannot feel pain. Like if they cut their hand, if they have anything wrong with their extremities, they don't feel the pain. And that's the problem. They don't die from leprosy. They die of secondary infections that would have been, would, they would have known about if they could have felt that pain. It's been around mankind for 4,000 years. 1995, they said that 2 to 3 million people were disabled because of leprosy. Some of the symptoms is skin lesions. They would say the extremities began to contract because the cartilage begins to be absorbed into the body. It's a heinous, heinous disease. The reason I bring it up is that for us to really understand Luke even more is that we understand what these men were going through as lepers. Today we might have leprosy in China, and in Japan, India. In fact, there's still leper colonies around the world. Uh, they say there's a thousand leper colonies in India today. What they do is quarantine, they say they quarantine them, but basically what they move them away from the general population to colonies so other people would not get that disease. Well, it was prominent until 1980, and they finally came up with a treatment that now they can treat leprosy and keep it from spreading successfully. That's 1980. It's been around 4,000 years. They say you can, they spread it through nasal droplets, when I read this, it made me think about, it's not the same as HIV, but it was the equivalent of HIV when we first discovered it here in, in our culture, how young boys were asked not to come back to school because they were afraid that they would give that HIV disease to their roommates, schoolmates. Well, how about the uh, leprosy in the Old Testament? If you go all the way back to Leviticus... This is how they treated leprosy. This is Leviticus chapter 13, verses 43. First, the person would go to the priest. He would examine that person to to determine if they had leprosy or not. If they did have leprosy, then he would declare them unclean, which means this. The person with this disease must wear torn clothes. Let his hair be unkept cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. Not quarantine. Basically, they will remove that person from all humanity. They could not go into the cities. They could not go into the temple. They could not go in the tabernacle. They were separated not only from people, but also from God. And the reason they had unkempt hair, torn clothes, is because it's a sign of grief, of repentance, that God must be punishing them for that disease. No human touch, no communication. They're outside the city, they're lepers, they're throwaways. They've done something wrong against God and He's punishing them. Don't get close to them. How heartbreaking. Never be touched or embraced. That's leprosy. And the Old Testament, also the New Testament. Let's go back to Luke. When I set the stage for us, that we begin to see this text through the eyes of the Jew. Through people who understood leprosy. We just don't see leprosy around here anymore. Three parts. It's going to be easy to remember. The beggars plea, the beggar's plea. The blessing received, and the blesser glorified. The beggar, the blessing, the blessor. I want you to follow along, if you would, with me. We're traveling through Luke chapter 17, starting with verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Samaria. What does that have to do with it? Well, again, if you look at through the eye gate of the Jew, Samaria were the half-breeds. The good Samaritan, that's not a good term here. To us it is. To them, it's a half-breed. It's a dog. What happened after Solomon passed away, the kingdom of Israel divided up in two, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. They were at odds each, each other over power. They had their own separate... Uh, sanctuaries. Uh, The northern kingdom was trying to regain the other kingdom. There was war. there There was bloodshed. The foreign power named Assyria came over, conquered the northern kingdom, took away its people, replaced them with colonists from other parts of the country. The ones that stayed there intermarried and began to have children and worship those gods. They were always at odds if you're a good Jew, if you're a good rabbi, don't go through Samaria. Go around it. From Galilee, where most of the miracles were, to Jerusalem is 68 miles, just like us going to the other side of Coleman. But Jesus had to go through Samaria, or chose to go through Samaria. He is a rabbi. Again, that brings out the beauty of the text. We don't understand that as being in the 21st century. But the Jew really understand, why would this rabbi go through this country when he should have gone around it? Next verse. As he was going into a village, ten men were le- with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they called out with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. No. 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 That's not how I read it. These are ten lepers. They can't go within 60 feet of another person. They're outside the city, which they can't go into. Their only hope is this Jesus, this miracle worker they've heard about. They're not saying, Jesus, Master. They're saying, Jesus, Jesus, Master, Master, have pity on me. Have pity on me. If I was one of those lepers, you could have heard me after that last catch of the Georgia-Auburn game last night. You would have heard me going, Jesus, you're my only hope. Have pity on me. Have pity on me. Jesus said in verse 14, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Again, think Jewish. What's the priest have to do with it? The priest started the whole process. He determined if that person had, was a leper or not. They had to go back to the priest, Leviticus, Leviticus 14. They had to go back to the priest for him to examine them to see if they were clean or cleansed or no longer had leprosy then that would validate the miracle that would allow them to come back and be touched, to be back in the city, be back in the church, the tabernacle. That's why Jesus said that. Go show yourself to the priest. So here's all ten of them starting to walk toward the priest wherever he was. Now I'm going to, put myself, I'm going to take some liberty here. We're walking all ten of us We think we might be healed. We're not sure. Here's someone back and going, Oh, Randy, I just hurt my foot. What? I just stepped on a rock. I've hurt my foot. You can't hurt your foot. You can't feel pain. That's part of being a leper. You stump your toe. You cut yourself. You don't feel any pain. That's the problem. Are you sure you've had that faith? I do. These skin lesions are starting to go away something something's happening maybe maybe Jesus healed me one of them verse 15 one of them when he saw he was healed he came back praising God in a loud voice here's all ten going to the priest and they realized they were healed. As they went, good word. As they went, they realized they were being healed. One of them turned around and went back to the blessor. Beggars plea, heal me, have pity on me. Blessing, they're healed. Blesser glorified. That one person turned around and went back to Jesus. Who healed him. Now your translation said bow down. My translation is the NIV. Threw himself at the feet of Jesus. I love that term. He was just kind of bowing down. He was so thankful. He threw himself at the feet of Jesus. And thanked him. In a loud voice. In a loud voice. Thank you Lord. Thank you for healing me. Jesus was a great coach, great teacher. He uses the opportunity. There are people around him. Jesus asked this question, rhetorical question. Verse 17. Were not all ten men clean? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, this Samaritan, Then he said to him, the Samaritan, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Ten men, only one is non-Jewish. He's from Samaria. Remember Samaria? The half-breeds, the dogs, uh, they weren't the right religious background. The one that should not have gone back went back and threw himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. And Jesus said, rise, your faith has made you well. Now, if you really interpret this correctly, it means not only are you well on the outside, you're well on the inside. You're saved. You're now not only a cleansed leper, you're not only cleansed, you're cleansed from the inside out. He became a Christian, in my opinion. The beggar's plea, help me. Have pity, the blessing, you're healed. To the one, you're healed from the inside and outside. The blesser, glorified. Only one of the beggars came back to thank him, to follow him. The other nine got caught up in the blessing, the healing, but didn't come back. In good biblical interpretation, you do the observation. You look at the whole thing. It's called observation. Then you have interpretation. You usually only have one interpretation for a passage. But you have multitudes, myriads of application. Observation, what went on, that's why I'm giving you all this context. Interpretation, he just didn't heal them out of compassion. He healed them to show only he was the son of God. Only God could cleanse, clear up leprosy. He's showing the people around who were Jewish, religious that He is the Son of God. He validates this with this miracle. And most of His miracles, if not all of the miracles, are are proof that He is the one He said He is. It's not just compassion. It's not just healing that person or raising the dead or calming the storm. He's showing people, I am the real deal. The one you've been looking for, I am Him. But He was compassionate too. You still with me? Let's jump back to Mark. Mark chapter one. I'm gonna show you one more story of healing. Go back to chapter Mark chapter one verse forty. Mark one verse forty. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you're willing, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out, and what did he do? What did he do? He didn't say, You're healed. You're healed. He went over to the beggar, the leper, and actually touched him. Touched him. Rabbis don't do that. Good folks, we don't do that. Just be healed. No, he came over. I don't know what Jesus did, where he touched him. He actually touched the leper and healed him. You're healed. Go show yourself to the priest, but don't tell anybody yet. That's a strange command. Go show yourself to the priest to validate the miracle and come back. But don't tell anybody now. Let's wait. Well, guess what he did? Look at your verses. Does Randy ever come off this pulpit? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. What did what did the man do? He went out and told everybody. Again, put yourself in the picture. I've been a leper, I've been an outcast. Nobody's touched me. I've got lesion. I've got my hair. Torn clothes. Nobody even want to look at me. I've got to say, unclean, I'm unclean. I'm Don't get close to me. I'm unclean. He's walking. Gordon, check this out. I'm healed. How'd you get healed? Jesus. Have you met Jesus before? He just healed me. He did what Jesus asked him not to do. Now, I to thinking, well, that's the only time I've ever heard the, the Great Commission not done. Say, Jesus saying, Don't do it now because people will see me only as a miracle worker. I need to show that I'm the Son of God. We'll talk to him later when the time is right, but not now. Well, he's so excited about being healed. He's just telling everybody commit. The Great Commission back then. 2009, there's a great basketball player, a hero of mine, uh, David Robinson. David Robinson went to Naval Academy. David Robinson was a Christian. David Robinson served his country. After, after he did his service, he started playing for the San Antonio Spurs. He was so good, He was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Now, by the way, call me Ralph, but the kids call me Coach Keel. That's how they know me. I'm Coach Keel, I'm working with FCA. And I'm telling them, if you get a chance, Google David Robinson's induction to the Hall of Fame speech. It's seven minutes long. The auditorium filled with people to praise him, to give him honor and respect for this, this accomplishment that very, very, very few NBA stars can make. He was inducted. And he got up, and he had his family, his wife, and his three sons. And he got on the podium, and everybody was clapping. And it was time for him to shine. You know he said? I just want to take this time to thank my three sons. And he named them one by one. He said, son, I love you and yeah, I'm so thankful for you. Son, I see great potential in you. Keep up. Son, you're, you're, the, you're my youngest. And you've got a lot of talent. I am proud to be your father. His wife, thank you for making the man I am today. Without you, I wouldn't. That's my pastor. Coach, I thank all of you. He spent his five minutes thanking people not himself. And at the end, he closed his his notes and he said, there's a passage in the Bible, Luke chapter 17. It's about the ten lepers. Only one went back to thank God for what he did. And I'm one of those. I want to praise God for what he's done in my life. And I thank him for it. Well, that whole place is erupted. Erupted with applause. Here's a man that gave all the praise to the Lord Jesus Christ, to his God, for who he was. Now, that'll preach. Right? I just did. <laughs> I, just, I just did. I just told you. We're all lepers. And... uh I love what I do with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I love working with coaches. The rest, we have seven staff, the other six they work with the kids, I work with the coach. The kids see me as a grandfather, which by the way, I am, and I've got pictures to show you. That's my little joke. I love working with coaches. Very, there are a lot of Christian coaches out there, but there's some Christian coaches that really connect the dots. They understand it's more than just winning. It's more than outscoring the opponent, that they're actually influence the lives of young men and young women for the rest of their lives. And one of those are, is in this congregation. And I heard Ever do this and coach, I won't do it. I won't look at you. But I respect Marvin Cho so much. He is a Christian coach. He's influencing more lives in one year than a person like me in a lifetime. And I'm thankful for you, coach. You've that's your mom and dad, thank you. Thank you. I just can't tell you 90% of my days with coaches. I'm, I'm at the schools. I know what goes on. And I, when I see a coach like that, I praise God. Friday night, I'm all right. It's 11.20. Five more minutes. Okay. No, thank you. Um, Friday night, I received a call. I needed to go down to the Huntsville Hospital to the ER. Uh, There's a young man that was was hurt badly in a car accident. And uh, he passed away yesterday. 17 years old. Place for Sardis High School. Six foot five. Life gone. Life gone. In three hours, I'll be a pallbearer. Of a man who just died, he's 71. 1771. We just never know. And here's my invitation to you. Now, I'm a, I'm a Presbyterian just like you. You know, Presbyterians, we don't, we don't give altar calls, uh, but I'm giving an invitation, and I'm not asking you to come up forward, but let me walk you through it. Have you ever seen yourself as a spiritual leper in need of a miracle? If you ever seen yourself as a sinner in needed of a savior? If you've never seen yourself as a sinner in desperate need of a savior, of a savior, I'm not sure where you stand spiritually. I'm not sure you're in the family of God. If you're saying to me, I'm not as good as I should be, but I'm pretty good, that doesn't match up with the scriptures. For all of sin falls short of the glory of God. Even our best works are like filthy rags before the righteous God. Have you seen yourself as a beggar in need of a savior? Or have you seen the blessing of salvation but but you forgot to bless the blessor? That God saved you but he's not the Lord of your life. I struggle with that. I struggle with that a lot. If you're saying, I want Jesus to save me, to serve me, I'm saying, we ain't talking about the same guy. Jesus didn't come to save us, to serve us. Jesus came to save us, to lead us. He's my Savior and my Lord. No matter if you're 7 or 70. No matter if you're 17 or 71. If you come to a point in your life that you've asked Christ into your life, trusting Him as your Savior and following Him as your Lord. I work with a lot of coaches, a lot of kids who have been raised in the South, and they have not made those connections. If you die tonight, do you know for sure you go to heaven? You should be able to say yes. I'm not being arrogant or presumptuous. First John five eleven through thirteen. He who has the Son has eternal life. He who does not have the Son does not have eternal life these things I've written to you so that you may know you have eternal life. That's what John said. Do you have the Son as Savior and Lord? If Jesus said, why should, if God said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Why should I let you in heaven? Because I try to do God's will. I try to be a good guy. I try to please God. Wrong answer. Nice answer. Wrong answer. It's not works. It's faith. It's simple as this, and I will end with this. It's simple as A, B, C. A, I admit that I need a savior. I admit I have turned my back on God. I admit I have sinned. I admit that I'm a spiritual leper that cannot save myself. B, I believe what Christ did on the cross. He lived a perfect life without sin so that he could die on the cross as a perfect sacrifice for my sin. I believe what he did. And see, commit. I commit my life to him, not just as my Savior, but as the Lord of my life. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm not going to be another marginal Christian. I'm not going to just play the games. I'm committing my life. In fact, I'm shouting like that one leper. Thank you, Lord. I'll follow you. Will you bow with me? Father, thank you for this, this day. Thank you for your word is so strong. Thank you for the stories of the lepers. But thank you most of all for the Savior and the lover of the lepers. And Father, as I look out and I, I see this sanctuary full of people, but I don't know what they're thinking. They might be thinking about Lunch but those who might be really thinking through where they stand with you. If they have not given their life to you, trusted your son as Savior, and followed your son as Lord, will you work in their heart now? Will they have the courage, no matter again if they're seven or 70, to say, I want to follow you? And Father, whether you turn their hearts, regenerate their hearts, change their hearts and their minds, come into their life as Savior and as his Lord. You're such a good God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that prayer confession, uh, I know your elders and they're sharp. Go to one of your elders and say, hey, I don't know where to start, but I think I did something today. I think I'm starting to get clean. It's a privilege. And it's a pleasure. And it's just like a homecoming to me. I'm blessed with you. Will you please stand? Hymn number 29.